to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to episode 33 of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing really well. I'm feeling that's good. I'm feeling hopeful. I don't know if I've mentioned my husband's decided to make a career change. He was working for a company that was pretty toxic work environment and it was affecting his mental health. So he made the decision to quit. So, you know, that's not stressful at all. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, his stress got better and my stress went through the roof. Right. He got some good news today. I think he has maybe found a job. There was something in the works when Jen and I came on to record. So I'm anxious to get off and find out what's going on with that. Well, fingers crossed. I know. Hoping for some good news. Maybe I'll have good news next week when I... Very good. When we check in. Positive thoughts. Yeah. What have you been doing? Is your backyard still swamp? Oh, the backyard. <laughs> they came and it's like, looks worse than it was. I didn't know that that was possible. They dug <laughs> trenches. <laughs> they dug all these trenches for the plumbing, like with oh. this giant equipment. So now not only, it no longer looks like the moon. Now it's like trenches with pipes in it. And the electrician's been coming and they they did part of it all wrong. Like we're doing a workshop edition on the other side of the the, the built-on garage for Chad. And there's part of it that's going to be screen. And they ran the wiring right on top of what's going to be screen. We're like, nope, they're going to have to come back and fix that. But can I just tell you what I've been doing lately? I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast or not. Been sitting in the front yard. Have I talked about that on I, the podcast? I can't remember if you have or not. Maybe. In well, your, in your blue chairs. And my blue chairs. Of. Anybody that's on Instagram, you can find me on Instagram. I'm I'm kind of boring. Jen Stevens on Instagram. But I posted pictures of the blue chairs. And because I can't sit in the back, I have to go outside. Uh-huh. And I just have to. I was like sitting on the stairs, sitting in the driveway. I mean, I had to sit somewhere. So I was like, please, Chad, can we get some chairs? So I, I have these Adirondack chairs at the beach house that came with the beach house. And Sherry has had a chance to sit with me in those chairs. But they're that that composite material like that, that resin hold, or whatever yes, uh-huh. that holds up in the beach climate. So we have a store that sells that type of chair here. So I got two and we put them in the, the shade in the front yard under the pine trees. And we have some hydrangeas in between them that look really cute, but I'm sitting out there all the time, like sitting there reading a book, sitting there drinking my coffee, but I am getting to know my neighbors. Uh-huh. Cause you're in the front yard. Yes. And yeah. like Chad's gotten to know them because he's always out there doing work. Like today I met one of my neighbors. We'd actually, you know, waved at each other another time, but she actually stopped to talk to me and we talked for a while. She came in, I showed her around my house and she's like, well, welcome to the neighborhood. I'm like, it's been two years. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, we moved in in 2019 in August and you just don't get to know your neighbors these days when we're all inside. Uh-huh. You know, there's a 
there was like a, a movement. I can't remember. I'm going to get it wrong. It's either it's like the turquoise table or the blue table movement or something. And these people started putting these picnic tables in their front yard and they're painted like blue or aqua or turquoise, something like that. And they would eat outside. They would take food outside. And Part basically, the pandemic, the this idea, was happening. Yeah. well, I think it was before the pandemic. Okay. And the idea is that if you see your neighbors sitting outside on it and they have this blue table, that you are always welcome to come sit down with them. And well, I could pretend that's my blue chairs. So exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I got one at first to see if we liked it. And then I'm like, we got to have another. And so we got another. And, you know, my neighbor from across the street who's remodeling her house, and so she's often in the front yard. They haven't moved in yet, but she'll come and sit by me. It will sit. That's in nice. the tears together and talk. And mm-hmm. it really is because otherwise you just spend a lot of time waving at your neighbors. Right. Right. And that's all. I don't know my neighbors really at all. And I've lived here three years, except for my neighbor, Mark, who moved in next door. Mm-hmm. Mark's so funny. I had the AC repairman back out of my house yesterday. We're having some issues with the new AC. <laughs> he texts me and he said, what's wrong? And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? He's like, there's people walking around your yard. <laughs> I said, it's the AC guy. And he's like, okay, just call me Mrs. Kravitz. Yeah. <laughs> it is nice to know your neighbors. I know my neighbors at the beach. I talked about this, I think, before because her granddad owned that house and our house at one time. But they live where my grandmother was uh-huh. born and grew mm-hmm. up. And, you know, she texted me after the first week that my house was rented. Said, I saw the renters. They looked quiet. Yeah. <laughs> There's just nothing like knowing your neighbor. So everybody, the moral of the story is, Get some chairs in your front yard and you might feel like a weirdo sitting out there. Like here I am sitting always out in my front yard, but I'm getting to know people and I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know me, I sit on my little porch. I have a little porch, but I have two Mm -hmm. Adirondack chairs on it and I sit out there all the time. But I have often thought it's not sunny in the afternoon and you know, I like the sun. Right. But I've often thought about making a little seating area off to the side of my front yard. Do people walk in your neighborhood? People walk constantly and I wave at them and they wave at me, but... You need to be close. I'm really close to the oh, road. See, which I'm felt not. Weird. I'm not close to the I'm road. I'm really close. And so it felt, but that's where the shade is. Uh-huh. You know, when it, I'm sitting out there, it's really hot in my front yard yeah. in, the, in the sun. So that's why we're in the shade. But I had to move closer to the road because of the shade. Uh huh. Yeah, that helps. I guess I yeah. could get closer to the you road. You got to get closer, Sherry. <laughs> everybody do it get some chairs in your yard right in tell us your good news segment of how you're getting to know the people in your yard (laughs) yeah so speaking of good news segment every week we start our show with the good news segment and today is a customer service shout out from christy in kansas and i think this is the christy that okay for all of our listeners i'm going to kansas i'm from kansas city i'm going to kansas city in july oh this will be i think i'll already be back when this airs Oh, I'm going to meet up with some life lessons community <gasps> oh, I members. I love that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm That's gonna fun. plan an event. We're all gonna get together in, when I'm there in Kansas City. And I think this is the same Christy who asked. She was like, "If you're coming back to Kansas City, I'd like to get together." Oh my god, so, I wish I could be there. I know. <gasps> I thought of that. <laughs> One day we'll do our world tour, Jen. We will. So Christie's in Kansas says, I want to compliment Briley from Mill Street Market in Plainville, Kansas, for her exceptional customer service via the phone. My previous mother-in-law died last week, and I wanted to send something to the funeral, but I always prefer to send something keepable. I'm the same way. I like to designate on the card who I would like to have 
the gift go to or go home with, especially in this case, because I wanted my girls to be the recipients. Flower shops have always been great about noting, especially for so-and-so. I was talking to Briley and I explained what I was after. I wanted two items somewhat similar so that each of my adult daughters could have something in memory of their grandma. She told me about some wind chimes and some crosses. So I had her explain the wind chimes the best she could. And I said, you sound about the age of my daughters. Is this something you would like if you received it? And she said, yes. So from her descriptions, I had her put each of my daughter's name on each wind chime, sight unseen, and told her what to put on the front of the card for the card service. I paid her and then I asked her if she would mind texting me a picture of the items that I was having delivered. She gladly said yes, and I got the picture within a few minutes of her phone call. I honestly couldn't have picked out something more perfect myself. So Mill Street Market in Plainville, Kansas. That's amazing. And I also, it made me really think because I have always just sent flowers. I've never yeah. even thought about sending something as a, as a memento, something keepable. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting because I'm not really a keepsake person, but I do try to give keepsakes. You've, you're a keepsake what, person. I don't know what that says about me. You've got keepsakes. I guess. I do. I can I see do. one right now in this image of you. Well, I can see you when we're recording. My brother's you're, you're a sen- yeah. You're a sentimental person. You just don't see it. I see it. Maybe not. <laughs> anyway. See? You, I know. I meant, maybe not. Maybe I don't see it. You don't see it. I, like, I don't got think it. of myself as especially sentimental people. Like I know people go to college and they get all sentimental about their college and stuff. And like, I've never been that person. So I don't, I like, I guess I don't consider myself sentimental, but. I am. I'm very sentimental about my wedding ring. and Right. So you are. Well, that was a great story. Listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. And we really do need them, listeners. Send them to us. Please. Yeah. (laughs) It makes my life so much easier. Absolutely. I get so excited when we get one and I'm like, oh, I get to use this next week. Right. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, I want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you this podcast. And today I want to talk about Sun Basket Meal Delivery again. Why? Because I love them. I love the ease and simplicity of their fresh and ready meals. I love knowing that I have a fridge stocked full of healthy, organic, and easy to prepare meals. They have some new options on the menu that I'm loving right now. They have a new couscous. I say couscous. Is that how you say it? I say couscous too. Yeah. Okay. I I have heard people say cuckoo. Oh, really? (laughs) And I'm not eating cuckoo. You live in Alabama. Sorry, Alabama. Sorry. (laughs) So we're going to go with <laughs> Georgia has to say a little, make a little fun of Alabama. So I just, you know, a little rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> so they have this couscous with artichokes, white beans, and creamy feta dressing. Wait, I got to interrupt you. I got that one. I haven't oh, did had you? it yet. Is it good? It's You're delicious. saying it's, it's really good. I'm, ta- I'm going to the beach on Thursday by uh-huh. myself for two weeks. I'm so excited. And I am taking that uh-huh. with me. Well, last time I ordered it, it had pancetta in it. Okay. Which was amazing. And it was perfect because it was just, you know, 
I got a little meaty flavor, but it wasn't like a heavy meat dish. And it was a perfect like light meal. Right now it's like the vegetarian. This this week that came, it's a vegetarian. Yeah, and I didn't so order any meat with it. There is no meat in it, but I ordered, they have some pre-cooked Norwegian Atlanta or salmon fillets. Yeah. And so like I got a salmon fillet to go with it just because I like a little extra protein. Oh, and the feta dressing is amazing. And of course, you know, I added a little bit extra. I'm going to add some feta. I've made a grocery <laughs> list of what I need at the beach. And the first item on the list is get more feta. So I'm going to add some to, my, to myself. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to be there by myself for the first two nights. And so I'm like, uh-huh. here, I've got meal number one, meal number two. Then my, my family arrives the next day. So. Yeah. I mean, and I always kind of jazz up their meals a little bit, make them a little bit more mine. Like right. I love the zesty black bean quinoa bowls. And I don't, yes, you can add, add add a meat option to it if you want, but I don't. I always just fry up a couple eggs and throw yeah. on top of it. And it's just, it's perfect and amazing. It's one of my favorite dishes that they have. They do come in single serving sizes. So it's perfect for a meal for one, or you can, you know, order multiples. It's great because I just pack them up, take them to work with me on the weekends. No fuss, no mess, no dirty dishes. It's just premium nutrition that tastes amazing. And if the pre-made meals are not your jam and you love to cook, then their meal kits might be more your style. They have options such as pork chops with apple pan sauce and sweet potato cabbage mash or fried rice or salmon tacos. If you want to check them out, visit lifelessonscommunity.com forward slash sunbasket and you can save $40 on your first order. Fabulous. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I, I do a mixture of the fresh and ready and the meal kit. Yeah. And I'm always so glad that I have a fresh and ready to pull out if I'm super busy. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. But I also love their meal kit too. So I, I, I usually sure. get one meal kit a week. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we have author Christine Naiman with us. She's a former elementary school teacher, and she first wrote a series of short stories called Caterpillar Kisses about her experiences in teaching young children. Her next series of books were called Faces of Hope and were chronicles of stories from 50 children in all 50 states who were born on 9-11-2001. But today, she's here to talk to us about her latest book that is very personal to her and a story that might be very personal to you as well. This book is called About Natalie, and I'm going to let Christine take it from here. Yes. Thanks for having me. My book about Natalie is the story of my daughter and I. Unfortunately, my beautiful, wonderful, brilliant daughter, uh, Natalie, has struggled with addiction Mm -hmm. from a very young age. I always thought that I wanted to write about Natalie. I hesitated for a long time because I thought, well... Let me wait for our happy ending. I'll I'll write then. But I began writing the book before that. I, I I felt that you know there were so many families probably going through exactly what I was going through, exactly when I was going through it, which is in the middle of the struggle. And I began writing the book then as a reach out to those those families and those moms who felt they were alone. Yep. Can you put it in a context a little bit? How old is your daughter now? And how old was she when you first started to suspect, uh-oh, we've got some problems here? Well, Natalie is 24 mm-hmm. now. The answer to the second question is a little bit difficult. I found that Natalie had been experimenting with pills from way too young at 12. Wow. But I was not aware. 
So I became aware years later. It really wasn't until she was about 15 that it became completely clear that she was going down the wrong path. What were the, the signs that you saw when when she was going through that? Because you know, I think a lot of people, we, we don't even think that a, our 12-year-olds would have access to pills or right. have any. Right. You know, where, where did she, where did she get them? Where did she, you know, when, when she, by the time she was 15, that was already three years in. Right. She got them from her grandparents' medicine cabinet. Okay. You know, it was really... You look back and hindsight is twenty twenty, and you, you know, think, where was I? Where, what, you know, what was I doing? And, you know, the answer to all of that is I was right there. Right. I mean, I was, I was right there. I just wasn't seeing, you know, it, it started off, you know, what we would just, we would be there and she would say, oh, let me, you know, I've got to go to the bathroom. And she would run and go to the bathroom. Well, she's 12 years old, you know, go in the bathroom with her generally, but and then I think she, you know, she was experimenting with the pills. I mean, in, in retrospect, I mean, yeah, I probably should have. Those pills should have been monitored and somebody should have noticed that they were, you know, disappearing one by one. I think that it, you know, it progressed. It progressed from there. You asked about the signs. I mean, all of the signs could be chalked up to something else, which uh-huh. is just which teenage is angst, right? Exactly. Because 12 she's... to 15, I had two boys, but both of them had had mood changes and they were different and they were sleeping and they were wacky. And I was like, who are these weird teenagers? So it's hard to just know, right? You hit the nail on the head. She was, she was moody. She was withdrawn. She was erratic. She was energetic. She was lazy. She was, you know, you name it. And you just think, well, okay, she's, she's becoming, you know, becoming a a person and, you know, she's a teenager and that's not always easy. And looking back, I mean, I think there were the, the changes were a little too drastic when she was 12 and she was 13, you know, she was right there with me, but then, you know, when they're, when they're 14 and 15, they do start going out and they're not right in your sight all the time. And she would go out in one mood and then come back in another. And mm-hmm. then she was being, you know, maybe a little bit evasive about who she was with, even though I tried to keep track of that. And then maybe the people that she was keeping company to weren't so anxious to come up and say hello or meet me, or she wasn't anxious for me to meet them. At the time, were those, did those seem like red flags for, for you? Or at the time, you just thought these are teenagers? Like I thought they were just teenagers. I thought it was just growing uh-huh. up. I thought mm-hmm. it was just normal growing up. And I mean, I was wrong. I was, I was completely, completely wrong. And you have other kids as well. Where does she fall in that? She's right in the middle. I have an older son, Jason, who is 26 now. And I have my 9-11 baby, Trevor, who is 19. And then she's your only girl. She is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all of our kids are different in some way. And so I can see, I mean, like I look back and my son didn't talk at the age of two and some doctors were like, well, boys, you're comparing him to your daughter. Don't compare him to your daughter. Boys talk slower or whatever. Mm-hmm. Turns out he was language delayed. But mm-hmm. I think as a mom, you just think, oh, this kid's personality's different or they're, right. you know, they're wired a little different. So I can see where as a mom, especially of a teenager, you just chalk it up to this one's a little bit more trying than the one before or whatever. Oh, for sure. And, and Natalie, I definitely felt that way about Natalie. I mean, first of all, 
she was different from the boys because she was a girl uh-huh. and she was always very outgoing. She was always, you know, in a good way, kind of quirky. She was always adventurous. She was always out there. And one of the things that I wrestled with is I was completely opposite as a child. I was very withdrawn. I was very shy. I was very, I, I, I was almost at the point of backward. And I always felt like I didn't fit in very well. And I viewed her as different than I was. And I didn't want to squash that. Like you I, wanted to encourage that. In I her. wanted to encourage her mm-hmm. adventurous side because I never had one. So I thought maybe, you know, I, I just, I just, I guess I wanted to allow her to be her own person. And I did that. And when did you first realize there was a problem? The the real problem became very, very clear when she was 15. Mm-hmm. And it was really every parent's nightmare. It was a call from the school. And after never ever, 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 ever having a call from the school, you get the worst phone call from the school. You know, your daughter is in trouble and she's in significant trouble. You know, we went up and my husband met me up there and she had been caught with heroin. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, it was a jump. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a big leap. And I mean, even though she really progressed through the substances. Like I said, part of my embarrassment is that, you know, I didn't know, didn't see the signs. Even then, I mean, we, I mean, there she is, she's in the school office, she has heroin. I mean, it's the, you know, it couldn't be, but you know, I mean, forgive me, but you know, the first thing, you know, I, we did is went completely into denial. Right. You know? I, I think that's, that's natural because you're like, no, she's just normal. She's never even been in uh-huh. trouble before. Mm-hmm. She she had not been in trouble, but I, I, you know, as we were, we both have Christine and I were talking about this before the show, we have that educator background. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we have a stereotype in our heads, children that are on drugs had trouble all along. They got in trouble a lot. They were troubled in right. elementary school. And so that is what you would expect to, to have a child that was not in trouble. And then hello, heroin. Right. right. Exactly. I mean, that's, a, that's a great way of putting it. Hello, right. heroin. And, 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 I, think, and I think as a mom, as a mom of kids too, you, even when you're like faced with a problem, you think, okay, you want to believe it's just, it was just this one time. Mm-hmm. This just, this is, this was just became a problem. This just started. We can nip this in the bud. Oh, absolutely. Like you, you want to believe that. I mean, your oh, heart wants to believe where that. We went. I mean, I yeah. well, first started off in like grand denial, hundred percent denial. And then we weren't allowed to stay there. Then we inched out a little bit and said, okay, well, it's a small problem. You know, it's not a big problem. This is like a first time, one time. We -hmm. can fix this. And guess what? We'll fix it really quietly and very real quiet. And we'll just clean up this mess and we'll never speak of it again. And nobody will ever know because, you know, even though you think, I mean, it's all about your child, it becomes about you too because you Mm -hmm. start... You think about how the world's going to look at them and whether it's right or wrong, you think about how they're going to look at you too. Mm-hmm. So you're you know? not only trying to protect your daughter from later fallout, mm-hmm. you're trying to protect your, yourself. You're trying to protect yourself. Everybody wants to be a good parent. Right. You want the world to see you as a good parent. Right. And so when something happens and you suddenly are like, oh my gosh, did I fail my child? Mm-hmm. You don't want to publicize that. Right. 
Right. And, you know, and you go into the instant, you know, not us, not our family, not my daughter, not me. I mean, I'm a stay at home mom. Look at me. Look at me. I mean, these where was I? I was right here. And if you're right there, these things don't happen. And then, you, you know, you're, you're just forced to you get knocked into reality and then you're realizing, no, it is my daughter. It is me. It is our family. And whatever stereotypic profile I myself had was then shattered because obviously my stereotypical profile didn't include me. Mm-hmm. So as, as you realize this was not just a one-time thing Absolutely. and you realized, oh, this is, this is a real problem. I mean, was you, you knew how, how long did it take before you knew, okay, Natalie is an addict and we've got a big problem. Well, that came, that came fairly fast afterwards mm-hmm. because we did, I mean, we got her help. We went, you know, she went to outpatient rehab. She did, you know, all of the things. And I think it was after that, that we realized that it was not that easily cleaned up. I mean, she didn't go to inpatient. Um, she was evaluated. They didn't think that was quite necessary. The relapses are the hard part. I mean, you send her off, you know, you're, you know, there's just no feeling like driving your child. I hope, you know, you never have to experience it. There's nothing just quite like driving your child to rehab. I right, mean, it's right. not like dance class. It's not like t-ball. It's, you know, not like soccer. I mean, you're going to rehab and it's, it's horrific. We did several stints of outpatient rehab, you know, and every time you complete it and you leave, you're like, okay, you know, here we go back on track, fix that. You're hopeful. Yeah. You're hopeful. Yeah. You can't mm-hmm. help it. I mean, if right. you're not hopeful, you, you know, you can't survive it. Right. And then there's relapses. Mm-hmm. Can I ask this? And you don't have to answer. Is our opiates her drug of choice, or is she a dabbler? It seemed like a it seemed like a straight line. I mean, I think she started off with the pills, and I think there was, you know, obviously there was the marijuana in there, and then she just went straight to the bad stuff. I mean, she was in the the heroin, uh, fentanyl. Wow. Mm-hmm. And we know as parents, we like to think that the the it's hard to find these drugs, you know, right. that these kids aren't exposed to them. How, you know, you, I'm sure you've done a lot of research now since you've lived through this. How widespread is this problem? In my area, it's incredibly widespread. I'm here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it's it's everywhere. I remember one time we were getting in the car, her and I, and we were backing out of the driveway. And obviously the situation was wearing on me and it was eating at me. And I just, you know, and I was thinking that, you know, where are you getting this stuff from? And I said to her, as we were backing out, I said, can I ask you a question? I said, no, if we were going right now and we, and I said to you, we have to get drugs. We have mm-hmm. to get heroin, we have to get fentanyl, we have to get some, where would we go? Because I mean, my view of the neighborhood and my view of the community, I mean, if I had to get drugs today, I, I don't think I know where, I wouldn't know where to go. Yeah, I, I was thinking sure the same thing. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, I wouldn't know what to do. And she said, well, do you want to drive or do you want to walk? Wow. And the fact that it was that close really, really shattered me. I was like, my, you know, my God, you know, we can actually walk to it. And she was like, well, yeah, you know, if you go through the woods and you go down there and you get, there's this house and there's these people. And I, you know, it was just, it it, it was just another wake up call. Right. So this isn't happening in somebody else's neighborhood. This is happening in our very own neighborhoods. Right. Right. And then, you know, my very own house. Right. Right. So after, you know, the rehab, what, what happened next? 
Well, I mean, there was the in and outs. There was the the in and outs of the the outpatients, and then there were overdoses. She was lucky uh, because there was somebody there, or she didn't. She she didn't. There was there was somebody there to help, and then it. Then we went to inpatient rehab, and again, you know, I mean, there's just nothing, nothing like that drive there, and there's mm-hmm. nothing like the handoff. There's nothing like the handoff because, I mean, they are strange. I mean, you, you trust them, and but they're strangers. And, you right. know, you're handing over the best thing that ever happened to you, you know, mm-hmm. the, the person in the world you love the most. And you're saying, you know, I, I can't handle this. Please help. But it's scary because you don't know how that's going to go. Has she been a willing participant in her rehab experiences? Or she was- has. Okay. She has. I mean, for the most part, she has been. But... Now, as a, as a footnote, um, Natalie has been clean for almost two years since the writing of the book. So, amazing. Yeah. So she's she's a strong, amazing young lady who I, I think, you know, stati- statistically, the, the odds were against her mm-hmm. accomplishing this so far. She has been, I mean, you know what? I, I'm going to take that answer back. At times willing, at times not willing. I mean, right. I think the, the outpatient was all, I think it was all a game. I mean, mm-hmm. I think she got in there. I think she knew what to say. They all knew. They all knew what to say to get themselves out of there. And, right. you know, they tell them in our rehab, they told them, well, you know, you're either here for six or eight weeks. Well, it's like, well, which key and which bit of babble gets me out in four weeks or gets me out at six weeks or gets me out at eight weeks. So, I mean, kids are smart. I mean, they, they know what to do. So she she would get herself, you know, out in four or six weeks and everybody around her all convinced, but I don't think she had any intentions on buying into what they were talking about. So I think she, she very quickly went right back. She was in an inpatient rehab for an entire 30 days. And we really thought, you know, this is, this is it, this is it. And then 11 days out, she relapsed again. Wow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when she would talk to you about it as, as, you know, you're the, you're her mom. Mm-hmm. Do you think she really like? How did she feel going through all this? Like, did she want to change, or was she kind of fighting you? I think. I mean, the change came from within her, right? And I think that's why it worked because it, it really does you, have to. Doesn't as it? I want it to, as much as I wanted it long before her, she had to. I think, and I it's. I, I don't want to speak for her, but I think that the biggest reason that she stopped is she just didn't want to live the life that she was living. Uh-huh. She didn't want to get up every day. And she told me one time, I just can't get up every day and try to figure out how to get the money for it and how to get it and how to locate the right person. And I think she just ran herself ragged. And then one day she just said, you know, I think I need to do something to not to not be running this, this bad race. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that's what you just mentioned was something that, of course, I was wondering in my mind, you know, we think, well, we, you know, they live in our home, uh-huh. you know, we can keep them from having money. Right. But, but she was get it, finding a way to get money to support her habit. And that, that almost is, is equally terrifying. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, that's the, the that falls under the category of where where there's a will, there's a way, and right. you know, I mean, it can be just straight money given to her, you know, birthday money, Christmas money. I mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, I can't speak for all addicts, right. but I mean, addicts steal. 
They do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they steal. They steal. I mean, we didn't. She stole from my husband and I forever until one day, you know, the checking account's overdrawn. And, you know, I happened to say to him, what'd you buy? And he's like, I didn't buy anything. What'd you buy? And then, you know, get out the bank statement and you're looking and there's ATM withdrawals. And then there's missing things. Right. There's jewelry that's gone. There's anything sellable. Anything sellable, then, you know, it turns into, okay, so you don't give her money, you give her gift cards. Well, there's a gift card machine at the local grocery store that if you put the card in and it's worth $50, you can, if you accept $40, you get cash. Uh-huh. There's there's all that stuff. And you don't, they just go, I mean, they're desperate. So they do really, really desperate things. Exactly. And surprisingly, I think there's a whole lot more, even though heroin and fentanyl are the worst of the substances, I don't think they are the most expensive of the substances. Okay. So now she's been through, like you said, she finally made the decision that she wanted to get clean. Did she come to you and ask you for help? She did. She Uh did. I'm not a martyr. I said, you know, obviously, uh, you know, yes, 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 yes. I'm here. I mean, I'm always going to be here, good, bad, or other ways. I'm here. She wanted to begin going to a methadone clinic. And that, honestly, I mean, to be honest, that wasn't my first choice. Right. I, I, that was not my first choice. I, she said, I think I can do it. And could you explain a methadone clinic for, for listeners who may not know what that is? Well, methadone is a medicine that keeps you from craving, and mm-hmm. it is a medicine that keeps you off of heroin and fentanyl. It's a daily dose. And it kind of becomes a lifestyle uh-huh. where you go and you, you, you know, it's just like taking your blood pressure medicine every morning or, you know, your diabetes medicine or something like that, you know, and it's something that she does every day. It works. It is working for her. Are the clinics run in conjunction with counseling and, and what you would think of as drug treatment yes. or is it, it, it is. Okay. It definitely is. I mean, like, is definitely- that a condition of being a patient at the it clinic is. is you have to also do the other steps as yes. well? Yes. You have to cooperate in the other ways too. You see a counselor, you see a medical doctor periodically and you have to, and they, they do hold them accountable as far as I mean, you can't show up one day and then go off and on a binge for a week and then show back up. Uh-huh, I okay. mean, you have to, they commit to you, so you have to commit to them. And it's every day? They go every day? Well, she goes every day. Now, I mean, there's, they earn take-homes, they earn weekends, depending on the clinic. I guess they're all right. run a little differently. But the idea is that you get up and, you know, you go, you get your medicine, and then you go off and, and be what you were meant to be for the rest of the day. So the medicine stops the the cravings? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then what happens with that over time? Eventually, are they weaned off of it? Or is this now a maintenance medication that she stays on? Or well, like, well, what's the long-term plan? Well, you know what? That's a really, really good question. I mean, I, in my, in my mind, in my head, let's wean back off as quickly as we can. But I do believe that people stay on methadone for the rest of their lives. I do think, and Natalie's not ready. I All I know is you know, specifically to my daughter, she's not ready to start scaling back now. She doesn't feel that she's, she feels that she's stable and she wants to remain Uh the way that she is right now. 
And that's part of the control that I have to give up. And as a mom, that's hard because I, right. you know, I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm in the driver's seat. Here we go. I'm driving the bus. You get in the passenger seat. I'll let you know how this goes. And obviously she's 24 years old and she has to make these decisions. And right now her decision is to continue with the methadone clinic and maybe one day scale it back and become mm-hmm. substance free. Yeah. Yes. I imagine that would take a lot of really strong mental preparation. She's got to learn to, I believe, trust herself again and and really have that drive to to move forward, you know, in a different manner. Right. So. And you know, and it's 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 the mental, but it is it is the physical too. Exactly. Because as you're as you're weaning off, you're not going to feel great all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have those cravings and you're going to have that desire and you have to be ready for it. How did her addiction affect your family, like with your other kids and in your extended family? Did it, well, I mean. I mean, they say, they say that addiction is a family disease and mm-hmm. I can say that it, it absolutely is. I mean, you can say that you're going to, I mean, as a mom, well, I'm going to protect the other two and, but it, you don't, Right. you don't, you just can't. I mean, we, you know, because, you know, Natalie is a, is the common person that we all love. And, you know, you just, a part of loving her is, is being affected by her choices. My younger one, Trevor, he was affected in the way that, I mean, I think he felt he lost a friend. I mean, Natalie, you know, is four or five years older than him. So she was his little mother. She was, and, you know, they were playmates and she taught him everything. I think he felt incredibly betrayed by her. I think he suffered that betrayal very young and realized then she became a person that he didn't recognize or didn't like. I think that affected him a lot. I think he's angry. He mm-hmm. he became angry. He, you know, became defensive. He didn't quite understand. Jason, my older son, took it differently. I think he felt, I'm the big brother, I should have known, I should have intercepted this, I'm smarter than mom and dad because I'm in that world. You know, I'm in Mm -hmm. the high school with her and I know that she's carrying on with the wrong people. And so I think he felt guilt. Right. And as far far as, as my husband and I go, you know, it's hard. It's hard on a marriage. It's hard in the family. It's hard in the marriage. You know, we never blamed each other, but we blamed ourselves so, so fiercely, it just doesn't make you, it it just doesn't make you the best partner. And you you have to decide that you're going to, you're going to, you know, band together and stick together, band together, or it will, it will tear you apart. Is there any advice that you would give to parents? Like, like when should parents start to be vigilant and what, what do they look for? Right. Because I think that, you know, uh, anybody, I'm just going to say, we all know this. We all have older children, all, all three of us. You know, when you're on the other side and you're in elementary school with your kids, then you see all this looming ahead of you. You're just like so worried, mm-hmm. but you don't know what to look for. But you're like, there's so many ways things could go wrong. Right. I shy away from giving advice, but that's one bit of advice that I'm I'm comfortable giving. I mean, early, earlier than whatever you're, whatever age you think you're supposed to start looking look earlier than that. Mm -hmm. 12 remarkably statistically is a real common spot, um, a real common age. So I, you know, I think, I mean, it's not, it's not wrong to look at 
you know, eight, nine, ten to make sure the medicines are locked up, the medicines are secure. I mean, they're so smart and they know that people take pills when they're sad. People take pills to feel better. I mean, you don't want them to go into the medicine cabinet and say, well, let me, you know, let me, let me take this. I, I would tell parents to educate themselves. I did not. And I am very, I'm very angry at myself for doing that. I mean, I didn't know what this stuff even looked like. I didn't know what the paraphernalia was. I didn't know what things that are used. I didn't know. I mean, you know, you're missing spoons. Well, what do you do? Well, they're eating ice cream or cereal in their rooms and you're yelling about spoons. And, you know, we'll know missing spoons is a big sign. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. You know, missing spoons is a big sign. You know, I mean, foil and Q-tips and, you know, all those things. And, you're, you know, you're just not putting all those pieces together. But educate yourself. I mean, if you're not willing to, if you don't want to go to a, a group, then, you know, Google. And, uh, you know, Google drug paraphernalia and see what is commonly used. See what the drugs actually look like. Because, honestly, I think I came across I know I came across things in Natalie's room and didn't know what I was looking at. So I would, uh, that's one bit of advice. The second bit of advice is if you're in the middle of it, you just know that you're not alone. You're, you're not alone. Unfortunately, unfortunately you've, you've got company, but I would say take care of yourself because I didn't do that for a while. My husband and I weren't taking care of ourselves. We weren't taking care of each other. And that's not doing anybody any good because it's okay to take care of yourself. It's it's okay, it's okay because if you take care of yourself, then you're able to take care of them. That's very true. We uh-huh. had an episode, I can't remember the episode number, but it was self-care isn't selfish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You yeah. really do have to take care of yourself in order to take care of the rest of your family. Right. Yeah. And I know there are some support groups out there for families of people who have loved ones who are suffering from addiction. Did you find any of that helpful? Did you partake in anything like that? Or do you? Well, I, I, I know that Naranon is, is, is valuable. When Natalie was in rehab, I did attend a few of the, the parent groups. Honestly, I'm going to be completely honest. I was like, Oh, you know, no, I don't need this. I don't want this. I don't, I'm not a group person. And then you get in there and it's different because there is comfort there. And there is a lot of knowledge there. It's without judgment and right. uh-huh. it's a safe space. I, I found that beneficial. I do, I do see someone privately on my own because I, I need that support. That's, that's very helpful. I'm a person of faith. I rely greatly on my, my faith. Those are the things that, that keep me through. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned at the very beginning when you started talking that you were going to wait to write the book till you had your happy ending, uh-huh. but you didn't wait. Do you feel that that you're in the happy ending or are you just still just a little tenuous with that? I'm tenuous. I mean, yeah. I, you know, and that doesn't mean that I don't have faith in her. Um, right. I don't want her. To, I would not, never want her to hear this and think that I don't believe in her. Or I don't have faith in her, but I do believe it's a lifelong Battle. Battle is a lifelong journey. And it's an everyday, one day at a time, one moment at a time process. Mm -hmm. We always walk on eggshells a little bit, but we very, very much enjoy enjoy the moments too. We enjoy when we're in a good place. Can you share with us what Natalie's doing with her life now? Would would she mind? Well, no, she she wouldn't mind. I think she's she's doing 
she's still in the process to be, uh, to be honest of, of working on her self-care every day. That's a big part of what she's doing, trying to get the rhythm of life back because they really do get out of rhythm. And she is getting ready to go to community college in the fall. I think she'd like to help people like herself, which I think is a, is a great goal because she's a, she's a very caring, giving person. I think she's, she's applying for different jobs. She loves children, like to work in a daycare, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. She's still a work in progress. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm so glad to hear though, that she's, she's coming out on the other side. And, and I know as a mom, you must feel, you know, such relief. I do. I do. Mm -hmm. Because we just want them to be happy and, and living a productive life where they're happy and feel good about what they're doing. Exactly. Exactly. You want them to, you know, you want them to have dreams and goals and go after them and, have success. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how can people connect with you, Christine, and find your book? Tell us a little more about that. Well, the book is sold wherever books are sold, Amazon and, and all the other outlets. They can connect with me, uh, christinenaman.com. And I also have a website that is about natalieaddictioncomfort.com. There's ways to reach me through all of those. I love to hear from people. I love to, I, I, I love to, to hear from people and reach out when I can. Well, thank you so much for being here today and and telling your story. And thank you to Natalie for letting you you tell the story. I pass that along, yes. I think it's important. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that helps make it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And this week, we are going to talk to you about our endeavor together, the DDD Social Network. You may be thinking, I'm not an intermittent faster, so I don't want anything to do with the delay, don't deny social network. Or you might be thinking, I keep hearing these two ladies talk about intermittent fasting and how it changed their life. What is that? And like, this is the perfect place to come dabble around, find out, observe, ask questions, look at success stories see, you know, how this is changing other people's, like, don't take Jen's and my word on it. Come see how this is working for other people. Jen has two groups in the Delight on Social Network that she specifically goes to every day and answers questions directly to the members. I also take part in one of those groups and that's the, it's called the 28 Day Fast Start. And that's a group that we have designed to help people get started with fasting and to really give them the encouragement and daily check-ins and advice and and answer any questions they may have about establishing a fasting lifestyle. And we spend a lot of time in that group. I love that group so very much. It's my very favorite thing. I mean, that's why I started the Facebook support groups to start with, was to mentor people who were starting out. And so in the 28-day Fast Start group, every day there's somebody who's like, I'm new, this is day one. And it just makes me so happy. Or, you know, there might be a post that says, hey, I just finished. I finished my first 28 days. I'm ready. I'm on day 29. And this is what happened. And so I'm loving the personal connection with people. Absolutely. Yes. And what's fun is like they come in, they start, we get to see them on day one. And it's so like, I love personal growth. And so it's so fun to see them. And now they're on day eight and they're checking in and they're like, you know, telling me I didn't think I could do this. And this is so great. It's so easy. And then on day 28, day 29, they're graduating 
and, and they're moving on. And this is now, I mean, we like to say after your first 28 days, this is, you've now established this lifestyle. You now have the skills to live this lifestyle. And, and something has happened that I wasn't expecting when I wrote Fast Feast Repeat with the 28 day fast start. I wasn't expecting it to be used by people who were kind of like recommitting to intermittent uh -huh. fasting. It never crossed my mind that someone would be doing that. Cause I guess because once I finally it stuck, I never quit. Like I started and I just did it. So I didn't think about the fact that sometimes, like I had all those years where I dabbled from 2009 to 2014. I forgot about those, those years, right? those struggle years. And I was just thinking about once I did it, I did it. So you start, you do it. But we have people who are coming to the group who are like, you know, I'm starting again. And so I added to the group description of the 28-day fast start that it's also if you're having a fresh start. Yes, and we're supporting you through a fresh start because really the reason I made it 28 days is because it's like you're committing to yourself. You're, you know, there's some debate about whether this is accurate. You know, it takes X number of days to cement a habit. Right. And, you know, fasting is one of those things when you cement it as a habit, you're more likely to stick with it. So if, if someone yep. needs a fresh start, that's a place for them to come as well. Don't yeah. just come if you've, because you're brand new, come for your fresh start. And one of the things that we talked about on the habits episode, which was like, I don't know, maybe our third episode, um, is that one of the suggestions is to surround yourself with like-minded people right? and to get encouragement and support from others and to to have a daily check-in and, and that sort of thing. And so we, we are providing that for people. Exactly. And there's also an Ask Jen group that I also run. And you can literally ask me anything. It doesn't even have to be a fasting question. That you can ask some of those other the most. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, someone did ask me that. They asked where to eat, where to go for brunch at Myrtle Beach in the Surfside area. And I'm like, I can tell you about that. She asked about brunch, but then I told her about everything. And we and have a dinner, life lessons group. We do. We have so, a life lessons group. And if, if you're there, not is, on Facebook and you'd like to connect with, you know, other audience members from the Life Lessons podcast. Yeah. Or you even if you are on Facebook and you want to try something different, because I'm not on Facebook anymore. <laughs> yes, but join but us there. It's not free. And, you know, some people, they'll come and they'll want to join in, and then they like it a little irritated that it's not free. But, you know, e Facebook isn't free because you are, you're the product on Facebook. But we are, we're, we're providing a place for you to come. And it's, it's not expensive. It's, if you just want to check it out and see if you like it, it's $9.99 a month. But if you already know you're going to like it, you can join for a year. It's $59.95 for a year. Or you can join forever. We have a lifetime membership that you can choose. But if you join for a month and then you decide you love it, just let us know. We'll convert you to a yearly member and you can, you can join for a year. But if you join for a month and it's not for you, that is also okay. You don't have right. to renew for your second month. So we'd love to have you there. And you can us. actually just come to the website. It's ddsocialnetwork.com. Yep, three Ds <laughs> for I delay, don't deny. So ddsocialnetwork.com. And you can actually, without clicking anything to join, you can kind of poke around and see see what it looks like. We have a few tabs that you can see, like the groups we have, for example. Yep. All right. So moving on from that, we have our segment that we like to call our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. And when I said earlier that we need you to send stuff in, I wasn't kidding. We do. We do. So today we were like, we don't have a listener-led lesson. But Sherry's husband, Eric, sent her, like, it's like a, a little 
I don't know, a meme kind of a thing. Would you call that a meme? It's an yeah, image with some an, words on it. It's an image. It's a picture of a list, really. Okay. And, and yep. he saved it and he refers to it. So this is the simple formula for living life lesson, listener-led lesson from Eric. And it says, live beneath your means, return everything you borrow, stop blaming other people, admit it when you make a mistake, give clothes not worn to charity, do something nice and try not to get caught, listen more, talk less, every day take a 30-minute walk, strive for excellence, not perfection, be on time, don't make excuses, don't argue, get organized, be kind to unkind people, let someone cut ahead of you in line, take time to be alone, cultivate good manners, be humble, realize and accept that life isn't fair, know when to keep your mouth shut. That's the one that Jen struggles with. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Sometimes I'll like catch myself. I'll be like, I shouldn't say it. I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it. Sorry. (sighs) Go an entire day without criticizing anyone. Learn from the past. Plan for the future. Live in the present. Don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. Yeah, that was really good. Thank you, Eric. Yep, that was great. So at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. Today's quote comes from Sandy in KC. It is said to be a quote by Bob Marley when he was asked about what makes up a perfect woman. And his answer was, who cares about perfection? Even the moon is not perfect. It is full of craters. And the sea, it's too salty and dark in the depths. The sky, always so infinite. That is, the most beautiful things are not perfect. They are special. Stop wanting to be perfect. Try to be free, happy, and live doing what you love, not wanting to please others. I love that. That's definitely the way to live. It's easier said than done, but we, we can certainly work on it. All right. Well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. You can join the Life Lessons Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Or you can find us at the dddsocialnetwork.com. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and it just automatically gets downloaded every week. We would also love for you to leave a review in iTunes so that we can reach others. It helps people find us. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.